0: Today's reading is taken from 1 John 5, and it's verses 4 to 12. For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, Father, thank you for your presence here we just, we continue to honor you, Lord. And as we sit here in your presence, would you minister to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I think, the impact of COVID is the best thing that could have ever happened to us as a church. And please hear me, there's been some really challenging, difficult things that we've had to live through, but COVID has been the nearest most of us have come It's a real hardship in our lives. And that's because we're very, very blessed. We've got our challenges. We've got our quirks. We've got the things that we're praying for. But actually, we're very comfortable. We're very safe. We're dry every night. Most of the time, we have enough food. We have lots of people who love us. And... We're pretty blessed, aren't we? And I'm not being crass when I say that the impact of COVID is one of the best things to have happened to us. Because what it raises for you and I is the question that we probably never had to answer in our lives. Is would we die for Jesus? Now, you often hear that question, maybe in a youth talk or something, and it's dramatic. But, you know, most of the world, most Christians live with the reality of danger, hardship, lack, and serious oppression. And I wonder if you and I, you and I are not living uncomfortably enough, to not endure that where we are. And I just want to ask us the question, as best we can in our context, not to start putting our head through windows or like trying to do stuff just to... ah, But but would we die for this Jesus of Nazareth? Because what COVID's done is it's stripped away for a season all of our familiarities our community, our pastries. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's brought out our differences whether we can bear masks or we can't bear masks or we think the government's brilliant or the government's foolish. You know, it, it's all of that stuff. doesn't matter. It's brought out what we think about church and how we should be together. It's brought out, brought out how do we, what should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? Da, At the end of the day, you and I have to answer this question. Would we give our lives in response to Jesus of Nazareth? The person Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, and when people saw him, after a while they twigged, this man was the son of God. And in response, for 2,000 years, successive generations of Christians have said, we believe that this man who lived was God incarnate, this was God revealing himself to the world, entirely different to any other religion, any other philosophy, because instead of trying to get to him, he got to us. And in response, we would give our lives to him. And, and I think the best thing to have happened to us is it's jerked us out of just fun times, and it's made us, it's forced us to ask the question, do I really believe this? Would I stake my life on it? Am I staking my life on it? Because I can assess my life by what I worship, what I think about, what I spend on, what I, you know, how much um, other people are dictating my choices, or am I following God? And what the Lord is bringing out of this time, because we know he hasn't sent COVID, But what he does is he works for good in every situation. And what he's bringing out of this time is the radical bride of Christ. And actually, it's not very radical because it's just the normal bride of Christ. Unattached from the things of the world, unafraid of what people think of them, and determined to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow him in every moment of every day. And that's whether you are working for a church or whether you're in full-time ministry in business or at school or at home with the kids. We're all in this. And what he's bringing us to is the point of, I cannot help but say, take the world, but give me Jesus. You know, have been singing it this morning and you might be sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I can sing those words fully. Well, that's good. Because that is the main challenge and invitation that the Spirit of God is putting on His church right now. Take the world, but give me Jesus. We will not be able to become the church that God has called us to be unless we are no longer seduced by worldly comforts, or seduced by sin, or seduced by whatever it is, or desiring these things. But God does such a work in us that we have overcome the world and are living full on for Jesus in every moment of every day. The world is owed that. And what's going on in the church today is that COVID has brought a scattering or a dividing line or a sheep and the goats moment or, or whatever. And lots have been lost. And that is tragic and that, is, that drives us to our knees in intercession. But I honour you right now for remaining in God and for staying with him. I honour you. Just as Louise said, it is incredible to be part of a church you know, who has is, who is dug down and put roots down. And we might have you know, been buffeted a bit, but you're here. You showed up and we're loving Jesus and it's him and no other. But my goodness, guys, we barely got started. We have barely got started. There are so many who have just weird knowledge of God, who need to know who He is. There are so many being ravaged by brokenness and sorrow. There are so many, and God, God's plan is we'll look around the room. We're not going to get in a bunch of a, A-league Christians to try and do this. Look around the room. They are, they're pretty impressive aren't they <laughs> apart from him <laughs> do your work Lord <laughs> no I'm joking John in this passage he says Christianity is so simple Christianity is so simple who is it that overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of god for all the challenges that come at your life and come at my life do you know what the solution is believing that jesus is the son of god you could listen to a billion sermons but john says this is what lifts up lifts us up above the torrent of rubbish that comes our way in the world by believing in the Son of God. Why is that? Because it lifts us to see the heart of God. It lifts us to see that God didn't hold back anything to win you and I back to himself. So much so that he would give of his... uh, of himself give of his own son to win us back to himself and even when we're arrogant and don't really think we're that bad we suddenly realize oh my goodness we need someone to rescue us and to redeem us and to pay for our mistakes and to pay a sacrifice that we could never make up and he did it for us and all he then comes to say is will you believe him will you believe in my son I'm not gonna force you, but we believe him. And to believe in him cannot be an add-on. It can't be something that we do on Sundays, but then we live out our lives just you know, willy-nilly in the week. It cannot. Because if we believe he's the Son of God, then He He is owed our all. A free gift from us back in response to His free gift. Of everything. He is owed our all. Secondly, if he is the Son of God, we owe him to learn what his teachings are and to follow them. Who is pretty scared of evangelism? Well, it's time to deal with it. I'm sorry, that's not a very pastoral response. Put your hand up and expose yourself, and then I'll smash you down. <laughs> if we believe his teachings he says don't hide your light under a bushel this is just what Jesus taught we've got to shine and what else what else is what else are we doing it's only because we're afraid of what someone might say but what might happen someone might get saved forever you know who here sometimes wishes they had some more money or they had a house like somebody else I don't dare put my hand up now. <laughs> well, what did Jesus say? Do not worry about your life. Because your Father, who clothes the flowers of the field and feeds the birds of the air, how much more will He care for you? It's time we believe that, isn't it? And when those thoughts come, we say, Fantastic. Hello, but I'm waving goodbye because you're not going to enter my heart, because I am Jesus. Take the world. Take the biggest houses on the planet. Take all the money you want. Our heart is for him, and him alone. You know, Louise and I, we've had our windows smashed in for following Jesus. We've had witches take around our car. We've had threats. You know, I've been beaten up for it before. We've had Letters to our bishop, we've had people mocking us, all of that, and we've lived in comfortable England, all right? But I'm telling you what, there's nothing that I would sacrifice for what I have in Jesus. There's nothing that I would sacrifice for what I have in him. This is the one who came by water and blood. Let me just do a... A few things just so you've got a sermon today and not just someone berating you for being terrified of evangelism, (laughs) Davina. It's just an odd situation, isn't it? That we've become accustomed to Christianity where we don't tell people about Jesus. It's a bizarre, unnormal Christianity, isn't it? That we'd be afraid of a stranger or a family member, more than standing before the throne of God, welcomed in but thinking, what was it? You you were worried about what people would think, not to tell them who I am? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. What John is referring to here is not the birth of Jesus He's not saying the waters broke and then it was a bit messy. (laughs) You know, Mary was a virgin, so there was some blood there. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's two places where God has shown himself. And, well, there's more than two places, but there's two particular places where God has given a testimony that this Jesus of Nazareth is, is the Son of God. The water, where's that? Baptism. What happened at his baptism? Heavens, Jesus went down as one of us to be baptized as the Son of Man for all of us, demonstrating you cannot live life with yourself at the center. You lay your life down. And he he modeled that for us. He went into the waters of baptism. What happened? (laughs) Heavens parted. The Father spoke. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit came down. The validation from heaven that this Jesus was different. He's the Son of God. The second place where God gives testimony. And we're not talking about a good news story here. We're talking about evidence in a court of law that convinces. The second place is when his blood was shed. Hundreds of thousands of people were crucified when Jesus was. Zealots, bandits, ruffians, people who broke the law of Rome. And what distinguished Jesus? The testimony, the convincing evidence in a court of law that this was different. What happened at Jesus' death? Sorry, I missed that louder voice. He gave gave up his own spirit. He gave up his last breath. And what happened next? What happened to the skies? What happened to the rocks? He was slain and all of creation went, ah! Who was, you know... Okay, let me ask you a question. When was new life released? Third day? What happened when Jesus... This is so cool. That even before his resurrection, new life happened. Do you remember? What happened when Jesus gave up his last breath? If we if we were in Ashington and we crucified Jesus outside the church, do you know what happened next? As he gave up his last breath, all the churchyards sprung up. It was like you know pet cemetery. All these like kind of you know things coming out of the ground. Walking around Jerusalem, he lost his life, and at that instant, the rocks cried out in praise. And new life burst from the tomb, and all these dead people started walking around the city. And it was the spirits convincing evidence testimony that this was the son of God even the centurion a non-believer looked at him and said surely surely this was no ordinary man this was a righteous man this was this is somebody different it was the spirit from heaven convincing showing evidence testimony that this Jesus was different now John goes on to say We all live by human testimony. Verse 9. If we receive human testimony, who here has eaten at a new restaurant over the last year? A restaurant they've never been to before? Yeah. It's not a trick question. Ah, what's he going to tell us of now? Ah, (laughs) Who here doesn't tithe? (laughs) Um... Why did you go to that restaurant? Because someone told you about it. Or TripAdvisor showed you. Or the Review showed you. or, Or whatever. You thought, man, that... Or, you know, someone told you about it. We receive human testimony all the time. And John says, but the testimony of God is greater. It's greater because this is the testimony of God about his own son. And when you believe this evidential, convincing courtroom testimony, you have it in your hearts. You have it in your hearts. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life in Jesus. And if you don't have the Son, if you don't have Jesus, you have not got eternal life. But if you have the Son, you have everything. You have eternal life here and now. You have eternal life here and now. So if somebody came in this church with a gun and shot us all, it would not be the worst thing. Why? Because we're going to live forever. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And we as a church, we love kingdom come now. But there's something that God is allowing to happen whereby we are, we are living now with an eternal perspective. Smash my windows in. Arrest me if you want to. I do not care because I am living forever with God. And whilst I'm here, it's him and him alone. Unfiltered, unquenched, unsinned. It's Jesus, 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 100%. And for me to die is gain because then I get all of him. I see him face to face forever and ever and ever. My life is here for a few moments and I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to live for him always and forever. And how we do that is we have this river of eternity living in our hearts. That drives away our fear. That gives us miraculous power when we need it. That gives us boldness when we're intimidated. That gives us Healing when someone's poorly. That gives us deliverance when somebody's got a messed up mind. He's given us everything. All we need for life and godliness, as I spit on Mike. All we need for life and godliness. Not only has he given us of himself, but he's given us everything of himself. That we might live for him. The testimony that he has given us. Testimony in this passage, the convincing evidence that in a court of law convinces. The testimony in the original language is the word marturio, from which we get the word martyr. Jesus, the the testimony of God is that he martyred himself for you and I. So how can we not martyr ourselves in return? And I honor you because we are in so many ways. But I just want to say, as we enter 2022, Jesus is coming for a radiant bride. He's coming for a bride that is, is being prepared for her bridegroom. He's coming for a body that matches our head, Jesus. You know where you see pictures or, or newsreels, and uh, it's really heartbreaking of a, a famine-stricken country. And what happens is everybody has really large heads and skeletal bodies. It's hard to watch. That's what the church looks like. We've got a glorious head, but we've got a malnourished body. And I'm telling you what, Chanktonbury, we have been given so much for us to rise up and become a body that matches our head not for our own reputation or our own gain, but there's too much, too much where the enemy is ravaging for us not to stand up tall and say, Jesus, have everything, lead me on, take my life, take everything, because I'm going to play my part to see your church rise up in this country and see this land restored and this nation changed.